Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 5 and 40 podcast. This is your host, Greg Steele, and uh, time for another episode. And I want to apologize for not having an episode in so long. You know, my friend Josh, who's the one who kind of helps me along in this thing, says that no one stays interested if you don't create content. And so I understand that uh, it's been a bit. It's been pretty busy. Those of you who work with me at the hospital know that it has just been super full lately. Lots of sick folks. And then in the middle of these two very busy weeks, we ended up going to New Orleans. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but let's go ahead and get going. So the first section today is about encouragement. And I guess what I wanted to talk about a little bit today is about just friends in general. And I think that One of the things that's interesting is as I get older, and I just think maybe people as a whole as we get older and we get married and we have children and we have families and we have jobs and we have all the things that we're responsible for, sometimes it's pretty easy to kind of lose contact and lose touch with folks. And I'm pretty lucky because I have still four friends that are my good friends from high school that we stay in pretty regular contact, you know, some more than others. Um, But still... My three of my four best friends from when I was in high school are all named Josh. So, of course, we got to use last names because doesn't that get confusing? But uh, recently, you know, we went to a comedy show in Atlanta. Uh, we're going to go to a Black Crows concert with some of uh, the folks. We're going to do another comedy show in Charlotte uh, later uh, down the road. And, um, of course, we talk. And it's just one of those things where I guess it's pretty weird that people have high school friends like we do. Um, but... I'm really happy that we stuck together, but even if they're not high school friends, just having a group of friends, you know, I have friends here, my friend Lee Phillips, I don't know if you're listening to the podcast, bud, but if you are, you know, Lee lives in Thomasville now, we don't keep in touch like we used to, but he certainly is one of my best friends and someone that I just really could count on if I ever needed anything. Um, He likes to joke around that he moved me about 18 times, and he probably did, (laughs) so, uh, and you know, I have uh, friends, my friend Cade, that's a drummer in my band that I've known here for a little while, and Jay and Nolan that are in the band, and just some good friends in the area. And I just think that, you know, it just takes some time. You know, we go through hard times, good times, bad times, and it's sort of like in the down times. You know, having a good friend is just a a thing that helps get me through. You know, if I ever need to call my friends Josh's or whoever, Cade, and I have to talk about anything or I have anything that's concerning me, you know, having those people on my side... It was a pretty good thing, and so I just want to let you know that I feel very, very lucky to have good friends here, you know, these good high school friends that I continue to keep in touch with and that we keep each other grounded and we get together and still enjoy each other's company so much. But I just think that it's pretty important. I think there's times in my life where, for some reason, even though I have this good support system and these good friends, it's like things just get so busy, work gets busy, and, you know, sometimes happier than other times and so it's I think there's times when we don't communicate with our friends very well one of my friends uh, Josh West that lives up in Maryland he and I don't tend to talk as much as maybe some of the other guys in the group but it is kind of interesting whenever he and I talk you know it's like hello and it's like we start talking and it's like we haven't been apart it's like the conversation just continues even if it's been months since the conversation was still going and of course we always laugh we always have a good time and um but recently i just thought about him i said man i just haven't talked to josh west in a while and i gave him a call and we had a nice conversation uh he's a pretty good singer and we like to talk about music and we spend a lot of time together singing and these kind of things and so we have a lot of good things in common but he's doing really well um he's up in maryland he's married he has a daughter he he takes care of his daughter and uh 
You know, he just has a good family, but he's just an all-around really good guy. He's the kind of guy that if you ever need anything, he would certainly have your back. But, um, you know, he also likes to do things for other people and uh, just all-around great guy to have to be my friend. My friend Josh Peak, he's the podcast guy I talk about all the time. You know, he's in uh, Florence, South Carolina, and I went to high school and went to nursing school there. And uh, it's pretty funny, you know, he's the guy who kind of when we were younger, he was sort of the wildest guy in the bunch. But, you know, got married, had kids, went in the Marine Corps. And kind of these days, he's probably the most dependable of us, which I don't know you could have said like way back in the day. He was kind of wild and crazy. And if we were doing things and getting in trouble, he was certainly in the middle of it. Of course, so was I. I can't say anything about him because <laughs> we, we did all the stupid stuff. And there's my friend Josh Treadaway. You know, he lives in Myrtle Beach. And uh, he was in high school with us as well. Uh, when we first met him, he was a little bit younger than we were. And uh, he was very, very innocent. Uh, he, he'll tell you we corrupted him. I don't know. I think he was kind of open to it, right? But anyway, he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, he's kind of the one in the bunch who is always uh, smiling, always laughing, always having a good time. And he kind of is really just a good friend and somebody who just has a really big heart, you know. He, he just really is caring to other people, and he certainly is a lot of fun. And then the last guy in the group, which is really the one I haven't talked to in a long time, and I promised myself today that I'm going to call him shortly, is our friend Rodney. He lives up in New York City. Um, also married. Uh, he doesn't have any kids. Like, I don't have any kids. But um, he's just the one, I guess, out of all the group that I guess has kind of fallen out. But he'll show up every once in a while. Not too long ago, we went to my friend Josh Peake's mother's house that's on Lake Santee in South Carolina. And uh, three of us were together. And Rodney just kind of showed up out of the blue. He likes to do that, too. He likes to um, not, you know, he's real cagey. Like, if we're getting together or something, you know, he won't specifically tell you that he's coming. He likes to kind of just show up and, I suppose, surprise you. <laughs> I don't know. But, um... But I do need to call Rodney just because it's been such a long time. But um, but just blessed to have these good friends. And so I guess from an encouraging standpoint here, I just wanted to share my experience. And again, here in Albany as well, you know, with going through things and having my good friends here, Cade and people that I can talk to. Cade wants to be on the podcast sometime soon, and I'm we're going to get that together. But, um, you know, just times are hard sometimes, right? And I think, unfortunately, this world that we're in and social media and these kind of things, I think they really tend to isolate us quite a bit. I mean, we think that being with our friends is kind of like liking their stuff on Facebook and responding to their stuff. But really, you know, I think they're doing studies that are basically showing that the social media stuff is actually more isolating. And everything up there is so fake, right? Everybody up there is kind of putting their best face forward and like trying to put out there that they have a perfect life when we know none of us have a perfect life. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that when, when times are tough or when we're in the times that are harder, you know, our friends really help pull us through. And uh, so I got to be honest with you, sort of lately, and the reason why I did this segment is just because, you know, you go through times when you're really connected to people and times when you're not. And I just feel like recently maybe I haven't been connected to the people that I care about and that care about me enough. And uh, so I just want to encourage everyone, you know, if you think about it and you think about friends that you have and just people that you haven't talked to in a long time, give them a call. I mean, it certainly can be a lot of fun. And I think it really makes you feel better. And especially if for some reason you're going through some sort of hard time right now, you know, just reach out to people. And I mean, I'm talking about the friends who are there when times are bad, right? I know we all have friends that when times get bad, they kind of get scarce. But we all have a few friends that... um 
you know, are are always there and have our back. And we have some friends that do that for us that for some reason or another with time or moving or life and jobs and all these things that we kind of fall out of touch with. But I guess the encouragement here is, hey, think about it. Think about who those people are. Try to touch base with them. And again, especially if you're going through a little bit of a tough time, talking to those people can really make you feel better and and they really can have your back. Um, so the second part that I was going to talk about today, or the second part is medical, and I was going to talk a little bit about the flu. Now, I was lucky this morning to be able to talk at the Flint River Nurse Practitioners Group, and they had their pharmacology conference today, and they've been really good to me, uh, had me there a couple of times. I've talked previously, and I got to talk today, and what we talked about today was influenza, and I had a little time at the end, was able to talk some about the coronavirus, which I know I've covered in the podcast before. But, you know, the flu is kind of interesting just from the standpoint of people have said to me that have asked me or talked to me about the coronavirus. They said, Greg, I mean, the coronavirus can't be that big of a deal. I mean, you're a whole, a whole lot more likely to die from the flu than the coronavirus. And at this moment, I got to be honest with you, that's probably absolutely true. Um, you know, and the coronavirus... I don't know that we're done with it yet, and I don't know where it's going to go, but the flu is a problem, and it, it remains a yearly problem. And so some of the things about the flu that are interesting is is that it's really the number one disease in the United States that's vaccine-preventable that causes the most illness. And so, of course, you know there's a lot of issues with vaccines, but it causes about, uh, let's see, about 65,000 deaths in the United States, but probably over 600,000 deaths worldwide each year. The people that really get sick and generally die from the flu are generally not young, healthy people. You know, it's usually what we like to say, the people in diapers, the very young, the very old. Um, those are the people that have a tough time, but also people that have a tough time with the flu or anybody with comorbid conditions, you know, people that have any respiratory problems, COPD, things like heart failure, uh, people that have um, renal failure, just all these kind of things that people are kind of chronically sick. It tends to make any illness that they get be more severe. And it looks like that uh, the flu in medical cost is about 10 billion a year in the United States with about another 16 billion in lost time. So basically like because people are out of work and these kind of things, it's kind of, uh, they don't earn this money. And as far as businesses generating revenue or losing the generation of revenue because employees aren't there. So it has a big impact financially, um, but obviously has a big impact also on, um, you know, people in the United States as far as being ill and as far as the potential to cause deaths. Um, so most of the young and healthy people that you would see that would die from the flu are really probably not going to die from the flu itself. Unfortunately, when you get the flu, it can cause damage to your lungs. Um, it can weaken your immune system. And so certain infections like secondary bacterial infections that you can catch like staph aureus or you know mrsa or pseudomonas or some of these really bad things normally would never set up shop in your lungs to cause pneumonias and things like that but if the flu damages the epithelial cells it kind of opens the door for this stuff to come in and kind of set up shop and there are some strains of the flu also that kind of release enzymes that make it easier for bacteria to sort of hang out in these areas and once they get in there, then that's when people get really sick. You know, what tends to happen is the flu tends to make you 
sick for maybe about 72 hours, then you should see some clinical improvement. And so you see these patients who are clinically improving like they should on the flu, and then all of a sudden they get worse. Or if the fevers are persistent for three to five days or the clinical status worsens, you kind of get worried about these secondary infections. And even when you treat these secondary infections, you know, the mortality rates are very high. And so unfortunately, if you get someone who has the flu and then they get a post-flu MRSA or pseudomonas pneumonia and they're in the unit on the ventilator, you know, we're going to be real aggressive. We're going to try to get them better. But sometimes you just can't do it, even in people that are young and healthy. And so, you know, talking about flu vaccinations, really need to encourage people to get vaccinations for a number of reasons. And um, healthcare workers should certainly be vaccinated. And it's for two reasons. You know, reason number one is to protect yourself. But then reason number two is to protect others. You know, you don't want to spread the flu to somebody that you're taking care of, or other people don't want to spread flu to family members who have comorbid conditions or are old or very young. You know, maybe they get the flu and they do okay with it or at least get through it, but then maybe it could impact someone else and maybe someone else doesn't make it through the flu. And so um, there's big reasons for that, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, of all the reasons people say, oh, I don't want to take the flu shot and the flu shot makes me sick. You know, it's a real myth that the flu shot can make you sick. And there's really three types and two types don't have any live virus in them at all whatsoever. So they can't possibly give you the flu. Uh, the third type does have the live virus in it, and it's the nasal spray. However, it's kind of temperature controlled. So when you take the nasal spray and it's up in your nasal cavity where the temperature's kind of low, you know, the virus can be there, your body can come in and make antibodies, but if it were to go down into your lungs, the temperature's higher in your lungs. So it kills the virus if it gets down there. So the question is, or if your patient says, well, I took the flu shot one time and I got sick anyway, the question is how come people get sick even when they take the flu shot? Now, one of the number one reasons is, is because the symptoms of the flu, you know, which generally fever and dry cough are the two hallmarks, but then you can have myalgias and you can have a number of other problems, GI upset, nausea, these kind of things. Um, they aren't exclusive to the flu. So it's like sometimes people get attributed an illness to the flu that is not the flu. And so, you know, we always have to kind of keep in mind whenever we see patients that we're concerned have an infection of some kind, just always keep it in the back of our mind that there are other potential etiologies. Um, another problem is, is that, you know, it really takes about two weeks to kind of build antibodies to the flu strain. And so if you get the shot, but you are exposed to the flu, you know, prior to that two week period of time, you know, maybe you get sick anyway. Another problem is that, you know, if you have comorbid conditions, you know, even if you get the flu vaccine, the comorbid conditions or immunosuppression just make you more likely to get sick anyway, regardless of the protection it might give you. Um, but it's pretty interesting. You know, the question is, how come the flu vaccine is better some years and worse other years? You know, last year was a really bad year. This year, haven't seen quite as much flu as we saw last year when we saw a whole bunch. And the reason is, is because the flu vaccine is sort of a prediction. And so what they're doing is, is that they're predicting the flu strains for the next year. And in order to get the flu vaccine manufactured and get it out for everybody to be able to receive it, they have to kind of make this guess about seven or eight months prior to the flu actually hitting. And there's always the potential to have a novel virus, a novel just meaning that it's kind of a new virus that we haven't seen before that, you know, doesn't have vaccination history and h1n1 was kind of like that um just from the standpoint of you know all of a sudden we're 
you have this new strain, vaccine's not doing anything, and they had to make a new vaccine to give it out, and now we're we're seeing that covered in the newer vaccines, but there's always a potential that a strain can come out that we just couldn't predict, and so it's very hard to kind of do that at the front end. Um, but the flu continues to be a big problem and um, certainly can cause a lot of deaths in the old and the very young and even with secondary infections in other people. And so if you are a healthcare provider or a family member and you see someone who has the flu and you see that they were getting better and that day three, four, for some reason, all of a sudden they're getting worse, that's a reason to kind of look into that, get them back to a healthcare provider or just start to evaluate whether or not they might have some post-influenza bacterial infection because you got to try to get that under control. It sure can cause a lot more problems. Um, the third category today is the category that I call not ideal. And uh, this has been on my list. On my, I put a list on my phone as I'm like thinking of topics for the podcast. And it's been on there and I've sort of been avoiding it. And the reason that I've been avoiding it is just because I wanted to talk a little bit about government. Now the problem is, is that you know, they say never talk about politics or religion, right? Because they're the two things that you can't ever change someone else's mind. And it's also a thing that you can make the most enemies over if you're just going to talk about it. But I want to just say ahead of time here that when I talk about this, I'm not talking about it from the standpoint of any political party, any person, anyone being better than anyone else, really any idea of being better than anyone else. I think the concern I have or the reason why I think things aren't ideal is just over time, I think we've really seen that government isn't doing a whole lot. You know, I think that you there's this this air of argument and this air of partisanship and this air of where, you know, it's just you have a president, he's of one party, you have uh, one part of Congress that's one party, the other is another party, and it's like no one's talking anymore. And I think I just get frustrated because of the fact it just seems like that nobody's doing anything anymore. You know, even if you kind of look at the impeachment, and I'm, again, the goal here isn't to say, I mean, there's a lot of people that agree that there should have been an impeachment, and there's a lot of people that think it was, you know, that it shouldn't have been done. But I think my comment about it is that it was sort of a colossal waste of time. And I think the reason it was a waste of time is because you knew, you know, the House is the one who would impeach the president. And so they did articles of impeachment, but the Senate is the one who would hold a trial and actually convict the president and remove them from office. You know, even if you're impeached, that doesn't mean you're out. And so because the Senate is controlled by the party of the president, then you 100% know that even if one side impeached the president, the other side wasn't going to remove him from office. I mean, you kind of knew from the very get-go that the whole thing was a waste of time. You know, so here we are representing people to kind of go and kind of represent our interests. And yet, you know, they're doing partisan things and they're doing things that honestly have no legs. I mean, why would you waste our time and our money? And we sent you up there to try to kind of make things better. And instead of kind of doing those things, you know, we're going to go ahead and spend a whole bunch of time doing something that has absolutely no utility, like that can't possibly lead to anything that's going to cause, you know, I mean, there was no impeachment was even going to happen. And I mean, I blame every branch here. I'm not pointing one out over the other. You know, currently everything is so argumentative that it is pretty amazing that anything's gotten done, right? Because how's things going to get done? Because no one will talk to each other and everyone's arguing. I like one of those things where, you know, like 
one side is no better than the other as far as everybody's acting, you know, pretty childish and these kind of things. And I think I'm just concerned about the fact that that we just aren't getting things done for the American people because nothing's getting done. You know, you have maybe the president who can't get anything done through the legislative branch. And so instead, just trying to, you know, do executive orders to just kind of get around the, the gridlock and, uh, you know, another group who, who basically is not really creating much law or doing much. Uh, you know, I think the thing that's kind of frustrating to me sometimes is the fact that, you know, there's a lot of complaints among people and then a lot of complaints among the people with, that we elect about what our laws are about drugs. I mean, should marijuana be legalized? Well, you know, there's certainly an argument about that. And what do we do with illegal immigration? And is the wall a good idea? And how should we fund defense and these kind of things? And the problem is, is that we sit here and we, we have these folks who just complain all the time about the laws aren't good and they're wrong and like signing executive orders or doing things to kind of get around the law. And I don't have a great understanding of how come it is that if all the laws are bad or wrong, that these folks aren't getting better and trying to change the laws, right? Uh, it would be a lot better if we changed the law. I mean, if our laws are outdated and if we need, you know, better immigration law and if we need better, you know, how do we handle drugs and how do we handle all of the issues that are kind of plaguing our country you know why aren't the people that we're electing you know going up there and working with the other people that we're electing to kind of get the laws changed like the people in the country would wish you know that's sort of how this model is supposed to work and i think there's a few problems here um it looked like the other day that there actually was someone who sort of introduced a bill for term limits you know in congress and i think that's probably a pretty good idea. I think when you go back and look at what the founding fathers intended, you know, they were not thinking that people who were the people's representatives of government would ever be career politicians because back then, I mean, these people were rich. They were plantation owners and they're working. They're out there making a whole bunch of money and they're coming to Washington for this period of time to represent people. And while they're there, they're making this little salary and it sort of was actually an inconvenience for them to come do this. And so as soon as they could get out of there and get back to making money, they wanted to do that, right? And unfortunately, now we have these career politicians who basically just get reelected over and over again and people who've been in office forever. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you can't. It's hard sometimes to even blame the people, right? Because it's us that vote the people into office. I mean, even here in southwest Georgia, we have people in office that have been in office for years and years and years and years. And yet at the same time, you know, you could walk all over the city and everyone may be complaining about how everything is. But we keep electing the same people who haven't fixed all those problems. So the question is, is should we do better as far as paying attention to who we're voting for? And I am not saying any of this to, to blame one side or the other, and nor am I promoting any candidate. I just think it's that we as voters really should probably spend some more time looking at these candidates, looking at what they say they truly believe in, and trying to maybe make some more educated, informed choices about who it is that we're sending to represent us. Um, just because, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, that the people we have in office aren't getting too much done. And also the question is, are they really representing our needs? Like, are we getting the things done we need to get done? You know, um, you know, we had the bad storm here, you know, I know people that were farmers, you know, and that lost all their crops and these kind of things. And it was sort of like that any aid bill for those people got held up in the state 
government, you know, and it was over, um, well, actually, it got held up on the federal level as well. And the reason that it got held on the federal level was because they, the, some people were trying to attach to the bill that would give farmers aid, more aid to Puerto Rico. Now, I think there's a great argument. Should Puerto Rico get more help from us? Okay, that's great. Let's have a good argument. But to kind of take that issue and tie it to the issue that everyone knows should happen, which is our farmers need help, and delay our farmers getting help because we're trying to, someone's trying to push through this other thing that they want. I mean, I just think, again, are these folks representing us like we want? Is this things getting done that we need? And so... You know, I just I just think it's not ideal where we are, but I do think that we certainly have the power to change it and that, you know, people might think their individual votes don't count, but if everyone thinks the individual votes don't count and nobody votes, nothing gets done, right? So your individual vote does count, but it's important, I think. I don't think you're going to find anyone who you agree with 100% of what they do, but you have to find the person that you believe in or at least you agree with the most things that they say and try to get them to represent you and hopefully, you know, things can get done going forward. But I don't know, maybe it's like we're just going to continue to have reality TV stars, right? Um, all right, well, so just to uh, the the fourth category that I usually always talk about is just something random. And so I really was kind of looking around for something random to talk about that may be a little bit interesting. And so I did come across a Reader's Digest article that was called 100 Fun and Interesting Facts About Practically Everything. And I do recommend that you go online and that you search for that um, because it is fairly entertaining. Uh, but I did want to kind of talk about a few of those things just because I found some of them interesting and I was hoping you might find some of them interesting too. And uh, one of the things that really caught my eye was the fact that, did you know that McDonald's at one time made bubblegum flavored broccoli? And so obviously that failed, right? But at one time, <laughs> McDonald's was working hard to try to get kids to eat more vegetables. And one of the bright ideas that they came up with was to make bubblegum flavored broccoli. But it certainly didn't turn out really good and it isn't something that kind of had any legs. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, right? I mean, how enhanced do we want our food, I suppose? Um, so the next thing is is that uh, there's only one letter in the alphabet that does not appear in any state name. And so before I looked at the answer of this, I, I was thinking about what could it be? And so maybe the first thing that came to mind for me was X, but that's a pretty easy one, right? I mean, there's two Xs. There's New Mexico and there's Texas. And then I thought, well, maybe it's a Z, but not a Z either, because Z's in Arizona. Other unusual letters might be J, but then New Jersey, so there's J. So the only letter that doesn't appear in any state name is the letter Q. And I guess if I really thought about it, maybe I would have come up with that one, but it wasn't the one I came up with first. Um, a next interesting fact is that the longest word in the English language is 189,819 letters long. And it is the name of a protein, and the protein is nicknamed Titan. Obviously, it's got to have a nickname because no one could ever talk about it otherwise. <laughs> but they said that if you really wanted to say the whole name, that it would take three and a half hours just to say it, which is pretty crazy. I mean, can you imagine that? It's like, I oh, I discovered a new protein. Well, what do you want to name it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like, how did you come up with that? <laughs> um, 
Another interesting thing is that the American flag was designed by a high school student for a, for a history project. And so this guy's name was Bob Heft, and he had a junior-level history class. And in 1958, one of his class assignments was to develop an American flag, because at that time, you know, they were working on that on a federal level. And uh, so he turned it in, and his teacher gave him a B plus. But then it got submitted as one of the possible designs for the American flag, and so Dwight D. Eisenhower called him and said, "Hey, you know, we picked your flag." And the interesting thing is, at the time, there were only forty-eight states. Hawaii and Alaska hadn't been states yet, but he went ahead and made it with fifty states because he's assuming that those would get statehood pretty quickly, and they did. And so uh, anyway, when it got approved, and the president called. It said the teacher then changed his grade to an A, so good for him, right? Um, so uh, another interesting thing might be that we only have two body parts that never stop growing, and so basically we grow and then we stop growing. However, your ears and your nose never stop growing, so I guess that makes sense. You know, you see people who make it to a ripe old age, and maybe they have big noses and ears, and that's just because they continue to grow throughout our lifetime. Who knows why, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I did find this one pretty funny. For some reason, they were talking about Captain Crunch and two interesting things about Captain Crunch. So the captain's full name is Horatio Magellan Crunch. But the other thing that people complain about with him is, you know, he he wears a uniform. He's got the coat and it has bars on the shoulders to denote his rank and that the bars on his shoulders actually only bestow him with the rank of major and not technically a captain. So there you go. Isn't that crazy? Um... Another thing that I kind of thought was pretty funny is that the CIA headquarters has its own Starbucks. Now, you know, when you go to Starbucks, they ask you your name and they write your name on your cup. And when you get your cup, you know, they say, hey, Jennifer or hey, whatever, come get your coffee. But it turns out that the Starbucks that's at the CIA, the baristas do not write names on the cups and do not call out names because I guess at the CIA, everything has to be secret, right? So you don't even get your name on the cup, but you can get a cup of Starbucks. Um... Another interesting thing was is that the Pope can't be an organ donor. And so they said that quite a few Popes have actually been organ donors and had organ donor cards prior to becoming Pope. But once they became uh, the Pope, that that became invalid because the Pope's body technically belongs to the Universal Catholic Church and it must be buried completely intact according to their law or canon. And so uh, I guess if you're the Pope, you got to tear up your organ donor card. So, you know, I work in infectious disease, so this one was interesting. It says that uh, penicillin was initially named mold juice, and it uh, turns out Alexander Fleming had some bacteria in a dish, and uh, he put some mold in the dish, and he went on vacation. And when he came back, the Petri dish had some liquid around the mold, but that liquid had killed the bacteria. And so that's kind of how penicillin was invented. But he initially called it mold juice, which uh, I guess isn't the best name. I'm glad we're not at the hospital trying to give patients mold juice. I don't think that they would like that very much, right? Um, another interesting fact, and I have a couple of cats. I don't know how many people like cats, but I didn't really even know this, is that cats have fewer toes on the back paws than they do on the front paws. So there's five toes on the front paws, but they only have four on the back. Um and I can't say that I ever noticed that. And also have a couple of dogs. And an interesting fact about dogs is that, you know, dogs have two nostrils like we do. However, their nostrils uh, serve different purposes. So dogs sniff good smells with their left nostril. But 
when a dog goes to sniff something, it always starts sniffing with its right nostril, which detects smells that could mean danger. So they first smell on the right, and then if there's no smell that talks about danger, then they switch over to the left, and the left nostril is the one that's looking for food or looking for mates or looking for these kind of things and looking for all the good stuff. So I think that's pretty weird. Um, I certainly know my dog sniffs around the yard all the time, but thinking that he would use different nostrils for different reasons I think is pretty interesting. Um, and I guess real quickly, the last fact is, you know, when you think about the empires that have been in the history of the world, you know, some of the the great mighty empires like Rome, for instance, you know, I would have thought that Rome probably controlled the most territory ever in the history of the world because all they did was basically conquer other nations and bring them in under the Roman Empire. But it actually turns out that the British Empire was the biggest empire in the history of the world. And at one time, they controlled 23% of the population and about 13 million square miles. And again, you think about these things and you think it's way, way back, but that was actually in 1920. So in 1920, Britain controlled uh, that amount of people and that amount of land. And uh, that was in 1920, and that's the biggest empire that there's ever been in the history of the country. So I thought that was fairly interesting. So I hope you found any of those interesting. I do encourage you, if you like that, to go and search for that article on Reader's Digest. It's online. And um, again, it was called The 100 Fun and Interesting Facts About uh, Practically Everything. And so up to this point, and I mean, I say that like I had 500 episodes, and I know that I haven't. This is really just my third official episode, fourth overall. But one of the things that I've been doing is and during the last topic, I've been talking about bourbon. You know, I like bourbon, and I was in a local bourbon group, and I like to, to drink bourbon and collect bourbon, and I was kind of, you know, trying to talk to people about that stuff. But uh, we go through periods at my house where we kind of back off of drinking for periods of time. We kind of call it our hiatus, and we usually do it in January, but for some reason or another, this January just wasn't conducive to that. And so I started about two weeks ago um, kind of going on a break here. And so because I'm going on a break here, I'm not going to be drinking bourbon during the podcast. And so if I'm not drinking bourbon during the podcast, I'm probably going to kind of just shift gears a little bit uh, until or if that changes in the future. And so I was thinking, well, if I'm not going to do bourbon as my fifth category, then what can my fifth category be? You know, it has to be something else that I like. And of course, one of the things I really like is music. Uh, I've always listened to music. I've always been a singer. You know, it's just one of the things I love. And of course, I know tons of people out there love music. So I think that for now, the fifth topic is going to change from bourbon to music. And so what I was going to talk to today was a little bit about 80s music and a little bit about the 80s music that I like. And so I did spend some time kind of scouring through my phone because you figure that probably the music that you like the most from any decade is probably on your phone. And I kind of was surprised at some of the songs that I found on there, like just some stuff that I wouldn't have even imagined that for some reason I had. But I was really trying to think about what songs do I really love. Now, I started listening to music really end of 79, early 1980, um, I would have been around six or seven years old back then. You know, I had one of those record players, you know, the square ones where, you know, you carried it with a handle and opened the top and it played 45s. And I do know that the first two records I ever remember having were Do You Believe in Love by Huey Lewis in the News. And then I also had Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band. Um, and I remember listening to kind of my Sharona some back in that really early period that came out. 
8980 something like that but it's pretty interesting i spent a ton of time in my entire youth growing up listening to the radio um i will say that i was really into pop 40 radio all until gosh probably until ninth grade when i heard guns and roses and then started getting into some other stuff but a lot of the 80s i was just listening to what was on the radio and so i was kind of going through and thinking about well what really are my favorite 80s songs and for a lot of years, my favorite 80s songs was Your Love by The Outfield. And I really love that song. And it's it's still in my top two. I guess maybe it could go back to being number one. But then for some reason or another, I started listening back to some of the old 80s stuff. And I started listening to Howard Jones again. And, you know, Howard Jones is not like, you know, some big rock god or anything. I mean, he had, but he had some radio hits. And if you go back and look, you know, he had a couple of songs that you really know. And one of the songs that he had is called No One Is To Blame. And for some reason or another, a couple of years ago, I don't know why, I heard it like randomly and I was like, maybe that's my new favorite 80s song. I could listen to that song every day. Um, but other 80s songs that I really like that, and I guess I'm judging it by maybe if they came up on my phone, would I listen to them? If they come up on the radio, would I listen to them or would I change it? Um, I really like some Pat Benatar stuff, right? And I was thinking about uh, like Love Is A Battlefield. That's a great song. But then I was thinking about We Belong, and I really think We Belong is a really, really good Pat Benatar song. A lot of good Phil Collins songs, but of course In the Air Tonight is great. You know, Foreigner put out Jukebox Hero in 1981, and that's a song that every single time that it comes on, you know, I'm certainly going to watch it. Um, Peter Gabriel's song, uh, In Your Eyes, and I mean Sledgehammer was good, and Big Time were all good, but In Your Eyes, you know, thinking back about some of those 80s movies, John Cusack holding the boombox over his head, you know, playing that song, that was really great. And uh, even like Motley Crue, like if you go back and listen to the songs like Home Sweet Home, I mean, who doesn't love that song? It's really great. But it's pretty interesting. I ran into the friends I was talking about earlier in ninth grade, and we actually started talking because we were talking about Guns N' Roses, and I, nobody else was really into Guns N' Roses at the time. So, of course, that changed things quite a bit. But the first Guns N' Roses album is about as good as albums get overall, in my opinion. But as I go through the phone, right, just saw other songs that were hanging out on my phone that some of them, you know, might be embarrassing. I don't know. But songs that were of note to me is like Girls on Film by Duran Duran's a great song. Don Henley, Boys of Summer. After the Fire, Dare Commissar is a great song. I like Rock Me Amadeus a lot, although I'll tell you, I, I don't know who's my Facebook friend and saw, but I posted Rock Me Amadeus not too long ago on there, but I said the song's a lot better if instead of Rock Me Amadeus you sing Eat Me, I'm a Danish. Try it out. It'll uh, infect you forever. Um, Take On Me by Aha is a great song. Heat of the Movement by Asia is a good song. Rock the Casbah is a great song. Sunglasses at Night, Pour Some Sugar on Me. I mean, there's so much good stuff. Oh, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax. If you haven't heard that song, like, since the 80s, throw it on, man. It's it's pretty amazing how good it is. Um, Heart of Rock and Roll is a good one. Um, and one other thing I found on my phone, this is embarrassing, so if you see me, I guess you can abuse me about it if you want to, but why I still have Millie Vanilli songs on my phone, I have no idea. But the thing is, is like Millie Vanilli is kind of like Creed and Nickelback and all these bands that everybody hates now, but they're like, and they want to pretend like they never, ever liked them, right? But before this supposed Millie Vanilli scandal, like everybody loved Millie Vanilli, right? And the problem is, is that even though the dudes that they put up there singing the songs didn't actually sing the songs, it doesn't mean they're not really good songs. Like, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You is a great song. Blame It on the Rain is a great song. Um, 
But, you know, that's embarrassing. You're not really supposed to talk about that, I don't think, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I know that a lot of people that listen to this are somewhere around my age, and I know you like a lot of 80s music. So come up on the Facebook page, you know, throw up what your favorite 80s songs are. Make fun of me about my favorite 80s songs, whatever. Um, the other thing is is that um, also kind of always give me feedback if you don't mind. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know topics that you might be interested in me talking about. Um, also going forward, I'm going to try to get some guests on the podcast. And when I get guests on the podcast, I'm going to try to let the guests pick the topics and we'll talk about them. Um, but any feedback you have, if you think the podcast is good, that's great. Let me know if you think it's bad, if you think there's things I could be doing better. I'd also like to know that too. I've had some really good feedback that have helped me have topics to talk about and hopefully improve the podcast and uh so i really want to keep it going again i really want to apologize for the delay um you know but i did get to go to mardi gras and when i was at mardi gras i also got to ride on a mardi gras float and throw out beads and it was pretty crazy and i actually intended to talk about that on this episode it doesn't look like it happens but i'm going to talk about it on the next episode because i just want to talk about it i mean it was like super bonkers and it was a lot of fun and so we'll get into that but really we kind of reached the end um of this podcast so again please give me some feedback let me know throw something up on the page you see me you know, one of the awesome things to me about doing this has been like I'm seeing people in the hospital and seeing people out and they're like, hey, Greg, I listen to your podcast. I really love hearing that and I appreciate you spending the time and you guys have a great one. See ya.